welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. We're going to jump over to 2 Timothy. And um, it was funny, we were coming out this morning and my dad asked me, he said, what are you going to preach on? I said, 2 Timothy. And I left it there. And I turned over to Matt and I said, I'm preaching on the entire book of Timothy today. There's four chapters in Timothy. It's not long. It's actually only three pages. I'm not going to read every word that's in the book, but I'm going to preach on the book of Timothy because there is a a message that the Lord shows us through the words of Paul to Timothy that I want us to see today. And I really believe that, that it speaks to where we are as the church today. I almost even want to say that the church today is a, 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 a Timothy type of church in where we are in the world. Now, to give some framework to what we find out in the book of Timothy, um, Timothy's in a very interesting place of life. Timothy is a pastor, and he's, he's, he's leading uh, a church. And what begins to take place is that there's divisions amongst the people because they begin to allow the world and the world's mindset to get into the church. And so what's taking place is they are, are, are looking to dumb down the scripture, dumb down the word of God. In other words, reducing what the word of God is, which by the way, it's not the word of God and this book. It's the word of God only. It's the only absolute truth. And so you've got a group of people that are wanting to change the precepts, the concepts, the truths, everything that the Word of God is. They're wanting it to be changed to accommodate the lifestyle that they're not willing to get rid of. Additionally, they're changing the doctrine because... I, I, heard, a, I heard a pastor say this, and I think it's, 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 it's appropriate... Um, but what's happening is they're changing the doctrine because they don't understand the doctrine. They don't understand the word. And I will tell you this, there's some things in the word of God that's just a mystery. You're not going to know. The Bible says that there are secret things that belong to God. I don't understand why some people get healed and some people don't. I don't understand why some people conceive, have babies, and why there's miscarriages. Listen, my wife and I, I've shared our testimony. We had a miscarriage. We walked through that. It was a very hard time. But right on the heels of that, the Lord blessed us with a wonderful daughter who's getting ready to turn four years old in two weeks. Pray for us, please. (laughs) But I don't understand some things. But I heard this pastor say this. I refuse to go to hell over a mystery. In other words, I'm going to preach the truth whether I understand everything or not. Now hear me when I say this. It doesn't give you a reason not to study the word and show yourself approved. You might not understand things, but it doesn't mean, well, then I'm just not going to even bother trying to learn things. No, the Lord desires for us to be students of the word, to learn the word, to grow in the word. Uh, In the book of Joshua, the Lord speaks to him and he says, meditate on this word day and night that you won't depart from it. And in that word and in that meditating and in that understanding, there you'll make your way prosperous. You make your way prosperous, by the way. That got really quiet. Some of you are saying, I got saved. Jesus 
fix all my problems. No, Jesus didn't come to fix all your problems. Jesus came to save you, empower you now to live victoriously, and he'll give you the ability to triumph over your problems. And so it's important that we are ones that go after the word of God with all of our heart, making sure we don't allow the world to try and compromise the word of God that's in our heart, cause us to reduce our, our, our mindset or reduce the word of God to our mindset. The Bible says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. God thinks differently. But you know what? I want to aspire to get up to God's level and to think the way that he thinks because if I'm left to my own mindset, it's going to cause me to run into a few walls. I'm telling you, I'm no good on my own. I'm terrible. If you leave me to my own mindset, I make the worst decisions. No, I'm serious about this. Like when we do laundry in our house, I'm like, well, we got a bunch of clothes. Just throw it all in in one load and get it done. My wife's like, no, you can't do that. She was like, that red hoodie is going to make your white T-shirt come out pink. Don't do that. Me, I'm like, I just want to get it done. See, me left to my own thoughts, I'm going to make some really crazy decisions. Anybody in the place, in the house this morning, that knows if you're left to your own mindset, you're probably going to make some pretty wild decisions. Some pretty, probably not the best decisions, but when you have the word of God, you think differently. When you have the word of God resting in your mind and in your heart, then you don't put all the laundry in one load. You understand how to sort it by colors. And delic delicate. I can't put my athleisure with cotton. That's going to mess up the whole thing. And then my clothes pill. And there goes my $150 Lululemon pants. Why didn't they warn me in the store? Has the potential to pill. Come on, guys. <laughs> so 2 Timothy, I want to draw our attention to something here because the Lord just showed me some things really throughout the book. And I just want to pinpoint a few lines of text throughout the four chapters as to why it's important that we understand the word of God, but really what I gave as just like a title for this morning is preach the word. Because at the end of the day, the purpose of us receiving the word, learning the word, and growing in the word is not to keep it to myself, but it's so that I can be one that can proclaim the good news into the community, into my community. So to preach the word. I could have almost put another title, Hark the Herald. Because the Lord has called us to herald the gospel, to preach. That's what that means, to proclaim the good news. But, but what's happening right now, what we find out in 2 Timothy, is that he is under great pressure right now because people in the church are trying to get him to change the truth of the gospel. To the point that he's in tears. He knows with all of his heart and with all of his might, that he is not going to give in to this. But how many of you know when the world begins to put pressure on you, sometimes it's going to leave you in a place that you're upset and you're in tears and you know what is truth and, you, and you're fighting with, with all of your might and, and, and you just feel like, though, that you're going to give up. But Paul begins to encourage Timothy, just as I want to encourage you today, do not give up on the word of the Lord. Do not give up on the good news. Do not give up on the gospel. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. 
It's the power of God, the gospel, the good news. The word of God is powerful. And so when we look at the first chapter here, the Bible, it opens up in, 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 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I just want to read this. I didn't give this scripture to the team. So if they play catch up and it's on the screen, great. But if not, you should have your Bibles anyways. It's church. And so I want you to look at this right here. 1 Timothy. Or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And he says this in verse Four, Paul's writing to Timothy. Paul says, greatly desiring to see, to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to the remembrance, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Do we have any believers in the house this morning that's got some faith inside of them? I'm talking about some radical faith today. I'm talking about some, some faith that can displace a few mountains. I'm talking about some faith that can cause some dead things to come alive. I'm talking about some faith that can call those things that be not as though they are. I'm talking about a faith that when it looks like it's impossible, you're reminded with our God that all things are possible. I'm talking about that level of faith today. Because when I call to the remembrance as a believer, when I receive Jesus, there is a faith that begins to stir up inside of me that can tell dead things to come alive. Amen. You're with me says, this faith that's in you that first, check this out, dwell in your grandmother Lois, what a name, in your mother Eunice, even better, 1922, all over again, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The gift that he is talking about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit that came through the laying on of hands. He goes on and he says, because God has not given you a spirit of fear. I come against that foul and demonic spirit of fear that has tried to hold some of you hostage. Some of you that are in this last portion of the year right now, that you feel like you're never going to get ahead of your situation and your circumstance. That spirit of fear that's tried to keep you held down, try to keep you in bondage, try to make you feel disqualified, guilted, and shamed. I come against that fear. Paul says this, that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but one of power. Say power. Love and sound mind. Now, power, love, and sound mind, this is the nature of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of power. The Holy Spirit is one that is of love. And the Holy Spirit is one that is of a sound mind. When I receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit in my life, I am now in position where I walk in power. I have the ability to love where without the Holy Spirit, man, it's pretty hard for me to love some people. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit. He calls me to get outside of my natural circumstances, my natural uh, uh, situations, and it allows me to see the people that need Jesus. So I'm going to be willing to forego my agenda so that I can love them with the love of the Lord. Love in sound mind. I want to speak this out right now. Some of you feel like you've lost your mind. 
Some of you feel like, man, my, my, my mindset is so disrupted right now. Get the Holy Spirit inside of you, and he will begin to renew you. He will begin to restore you. He will begin to put you back in your rightful state, in your rightful position, in your rightful place. Stop worrying about the pill bottle. Stop worrying about the next conference you need to go to to help figure out how to think differently. Get the Spirit of God inside of you. Get the Word of God inside of you, and it will break every stronghold that has tried to overwhelm your mindset. He says, power, love, sound mind. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, stir that gift up, Timothy, and it will change your tears to joy. It will shift you from mourning to dancing. See, that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is it reminds me, he reminds me that it's a new day. I got something to live for. I got something to do. I'm called to be somebody. I'm called to do something great for the kingdom of God. He says, stir that gift up, Timothy. But here's what he, but what, what he says is on the, on, on the heels of this. He says, this faith first came from your grandmother. Then it moved down generationally to your mother, and now to you. I want to talk for a quick moment on the generational impartation, a generational impartation. Now, I'm standing here today on this platform as a third generation. A couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to be in a meeting with several other pastors, and we were exchanging stories. Where do you pastor? What is your church? How long have you been doing it? Of course, I'm the youngest and the newest on the block. All of these other amazing, wonderful men of God, they're all a little bit more seasoned in years. I blended in pretty well because of my bald head, but nevertheless, I was the youngest that was there. I was the newest in the game. This is our first year in senior leadership, and so we're exchanging stories, and they get my backstory, and they find out that my grandfather, Bishop Woody Thomas, founded this church, Abundant Life Church, generation number one. Praise God. I give honor. I give honor utmost honor and, 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 and so thankful for my grandfather that was willing to say yes. But then it moved to a second generation in which Bishop and my mother, Pastor Kathy, they assumed as a second generation the leadership call. And they had pastored this church for over 30 years in the direct place of senior leadership. That's a beautiful thing, a second generation that was willing to see this ministry continue on. But now here we are, and my wife and I, we are standing as a third generation right now. And when I, thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. But, but as, as we are standing here as a third generation, and as I shared this story with other pastors, they begin to be blown away because they said, we've never heard of a third generation. We don't know churches that succeed to the third generation. A lot of us, we are church planters. We're the first. Some of them say, well, you know, dad put the pressure on me, and so we took it, and we're trying to do a good work, and I, and I pray for those people. I never felt that. My dad never put this thing on me. He said, I prayed to the Lord, and I feel like the Lord spoke this to my heart. This was over 12 years ago. I prayed to the Lord as well, and I felt the call. Some people think, oh, you know, he was tired, and, you know, he wanted to take a step back, and it was time for him to put you in place. No, this was over 12 years of a process that we put together. Over 12 years that the Lord allowed us to strategically 
uh, uh, groom and develop and grow. No one just threw a mic in my hand and I'm up here talking a whole bunch of stuff. The Lord spoke a sovereign word to this house because the Lord had a purpose for this house that was not meant to be discovered and fulfilled in one generation, but it was to be perpetuated from generation to generation to generation. See, some of you think I'm talking about the church right now. I'm speaking to your families. Because what the Lord is doing is not just about what you're fulfilling in your lifetime, but through you, God is speaking into future generations that are to come. Oh, this is not about the success of what you have right now, but it's the inheritance that you're leaving for your children and your children's children. So this is what happened. They put a handheld mic in my hand versus a headset, and now i got the preach back on me. Future generations. See, here's the deal. The first generation, they're the one that establishes the work. I call that an Abraham generation. The second generation is the one that begins to build the work. Oh, if you only knew behind the scenes what my parents went through to build this house so that we could be here today to worship the Lord. It's an Isaac generation. Isaac was the ones when they were trying to close up the wells. He said, no, 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 no. This water's got to flow. Continue, was willing to dig. Continue to dig. But now here we are in a third generation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A Jacob generation right now. Isn't it interesting? After Jacob, they don't name any more names in the Bible. They don't say, you know, and now this is the generation of Joseph or, or Judah or Simeon or any of the other of the sons that, that Jacob had. It stops after Jacob because at a third generation, a permanence begins to take place. One establishes, the second builds the bridge, and the third generation inhabits in that. You don't need no more names because there is a permanence that takes place. And the devil knows that if he can knock out the third generation, then he can keep the message, he can keep the mission from moving forward. And Timothy's a third generation. And the people are coming into the church and they're saying, hey, give us some doctrine that helps scratch our ears because we've got itching ears. This is what it says in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. People, pe people want to try and get us to reduce the gospel. And it's not that it's people, but it is the devil's agenda. It's the antichrist agenda that is trying to seep into the body of Christ, causing us to have a form of godliness, but denying its power. The gospel, the kingdom, it's not found in word, but it's found in power. You are called to be a powerful people. You are called to be a powerful people to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news. Oh, no, the preacher is not the one on the platform holding the microphone right now. The preacher is every single one of us that enlisted into the army of God. And the moment that you said yes to Jesus is the moment that you put your preacher hat on. Because the end of chapter 4 is he says that you are enlisted as an evangelist to go carry the good news of the gospel, to reach your world with life, to let the person know that's working in the cubicle next to you that God's a good God, that God loves them, that God wants to bless them. You're the answer that they're waiting on right now. And so Timothy is here as a third generation. He's frustrated because the very people he is trying to count on allowed the world system to get in, and now the church is trying to rise up and say, hey, don't, 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 don't preach truth. Many churches today, 
not preaching truth. They're not preaching truth. They're preaching a trend, a culture, a feeling. I didn't say yes to Jesus for a feeling. Now, it feels good in the presence of God. It feels good when I see God work in my life. But I didn't say yes to this because it was on a feeling. Because let me tell you, some days I wake up and I don't feel good. But it doesn't make me question God. The Bible says that he'll work all things together for our good, right? But it's going to give him glory according to his purpose. His, somebody say his purpose. So the quicker I can get connected to his purpose, the quicker I'm on track for him to working all the things together for my good. So some of you have been trying to add God to your agenda. No, you need to get on God's agenda. The moment I get on God's agenda, I start seeing all the good things that he desires for my life begin to be manifested. All the blessings that he has for me. All the promises that he has for me. I want to get on God's wavelength. I want to be on his purpose. I want to be on, 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 on his trend. His kingdom that knows no end. And so, as Paul is encouraging Timothy with this, he says this in, in chapter 1, verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words. The pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. In this entire 2 Timothy book, Jesus Christ is mentioned 10 times. Outside of the Gospels, it's one of the books that carries Jesus Christ written in ink on this page more than any of the books of the Bible. That's how serious Paul was about charging Timothy to keep his focus on who Jesus is. And he says, hold fast to the pattern of sound words. Can I tell you this this morning? Sound words is the key to a sound mind. Sound words is the key to you having a sound mind. Who are you listening to? We come in here with great faith, but by Tuesday, Wednesday, we got around a whole bunch of naysayers, a bunch of people bringing division into our minds and into our life, reminding us of who we used to be. I said this at the encounter this past weekend. Who you were before Christ was your history. Who you are after Christ is your testimony. So stop getting around people who are reminding who you were before Christ. You need to start reminding them who you are after Christ. It's your testimony. It's your testimony. You overcome this world by the blood of the Lamb in the word of your, of your testimony. It's your testimony that allows people to encounter the power of the gospel. That when you are broken, you are busted, and you are a mess, you're able to say, but look at what my God has done. Look at what my God has done. Oh, I shouldn't have made it another day. I was on my deathbed, but the Lord, out of his word, out of his love, he picked me up, he turned me around, he gave me new life. I couldn't pay the bill. I was losing everything. They were repossessing everything. But because I encountered Jesus, he gave me hope again. So now I'm living out this hope. I'm working a job. I'm living prosperous. My bills are paid. My family is fed. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because God intervened. The gospel, the word. Sound words. He says, lock into this thing, sound words. I want you to see this in chapter 2. He encourages him, 
and continues on. And he says, therefore, my son, because Timothy was a son in the Lord to Paul. He says, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know that Jesus is the word? John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And he was with him in the beginning. So, so the word is Jesus himself. So if we read this, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Be strong in the grace that comes out of the word of God. This is why you need the word. The word is what gives you the strength to step up and step out on another day, on a new day. When you feel like I can't even get up, it's the word of God that's the lamp to your feet, the light to your path, that gives you direction and clarity that allows you to know that God is with you, God is for you, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But here's what I want you to see, verse 8, chapter 2. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The word of God resurrects the dead things and brings them to life. I don't know what dream you've given up on. I don't know if it's been your marriage that you've just said, we call it a quits. Even Jesus speaks to that. The Pharisees question him and he says, hey, is it lawful to divorce your wife? And Jesus says, what does the law say? And they say, present a certificate. And Jesus just like kind of scoffs at them. And he says, no, I tell you this day, what the Lord has joined together, let no man separate. The two shall become one. Now the Lord's speaking that over marriages and over husbands and, and wives, and I encourage you with that today, with the Lord is joined together, this gospel, when you thought it was dead and it was done, the Lord will resurrect and give new life. What he has joined together, do not let the world separate. Now I'm speaking this to the body of Christ today. What the Lord has joined together between us and Jesus, do not let the world separate. When we came to Jesus, it was as one. It wasn't a little bit of me, a little bit of Jesus. No, when we came, it was mixed as one. He is the head of his church. He is the head of his bride. What God has joined together, do not let the world separate. Tell the world just to bug off. Get out of the way. Don't give them the finger, though. Don't do that. Don't do that. Still be Christ-like about this deal. But check this. He says it was raised, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer. Paul's just saying, man, if it wasn't for the gospel, I wouldn't even be here. But here's the line that I want you to see. He says, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Oh, put this on the screen if it's not up there, please. But the word of God is not chained. I want to say that again. Verse 9 says, but the word of God is not chained. But the word of God is not chained. The word of God cannot be chained because the word of God is what breaks every chain. So you can't chain something that has no ability to be chained. 
You can't try and contain something that cannot be contained. The Word of God, it has the power to break every chain. The Word of God has the power to break the addiction of pornography off of your life today. The Word of God has the power to break the chain of drugs off of your life today. The Word of God has the power to break the chain of poverty off your life today. The Word of God has the power to break the chain of suicidal thinking off of your life today. Oh, you thought when you were coming to church today, I'm just going to give it one more go, and if God doesn't show up, I'm going to give up. I'm here to tell you, do not give up because the God of heaven and earth has the power to break the chain of the very thing that has tried to keep you down and broken, causing you to just feel like i got to end life. No, your life's not ending today. Your life has just begun today. I'm speaking a word of liberty today. I'm speaking a word of hope today. I woke up this morning, I felt the fire in my belly that enough is enough of allowing the devil to keep us locked up. Paul and Silas, what did they do? They worshipped with the word of God and it broke every chain when they were locked in the prison cell. Everything that's trying to keep you locked up, everything that's trying to keep you shut away, today it's done. Today it's done. You need to declare that over my life. Today it's done. Sickness, you're done. Anxiety, you're done. Insecurity, you're done. My family's not going to be broken anymore. Generationally, things change today. The gospel is not chained. It is the power. It is the power. Say the power. Hallelujah, Jesus. I, I'm going to take a moment right now. I'm going to pause this right now. We're going to begin to give praise and thanks to God right now that every demonic force, every principality, power, wicked thing, that thought was going to continue. Jesus, we thank you that you came to destroy the works of darkness. We're not going to leave from here dark. We're not going to leave from here heavy. We're not going to leave from here any longer with this junk. It's done today. It's done today in Christ Jesus. I said it's done today. Give him some glory. Give him some praise. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We're going to bring this thing into a landing here. I feel the power of God in this place today. I feel it so strongly right now. I'm telling you right now, I feel the, the power of God is present to heal in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you have a respiratory issue, stand to your feet right now. Some type, of, some type of problem in your lungs. Stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. If I'm speaking to you right now, I want you to stand to your feet. The Lord brought this up in my spirit so randomly. So randomly. And this doesn't have to be for everybody that is standing, but this is a word specifically in this area. There are some people, you got COVID, it did damage to your lungs, and so now... You're going around life doing it half speed, but you've been complaining, well, it was because of COVID. 
And so there's been damage that's been done, but the reality is the Lord can heal, but you got to stop talking about COVID. Now, I know it's real, and I know we've lost people, and I know we've gone through it as a, as a nation and nations in the world. I'm not, I'm not disqualifying the losses and the hurts, but what I'm saying is today it changes. Today the Lord is restoring the respiratory system. Those of you that are standing, just stretch your hands high to heaven. Just begin to receive in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lost. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. I thank you, Lord, for restoring today. Restoring today. The respiratory system, the lungs today. The damage that's been done, it is healed today. I declare healing in the mighty name of Jesus today. Healing in the mighty name of Jesus today. This shall not be a thing that will continue. But, Lord, I declare, I declare, I declare the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross. Your word said that we would have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life means that we got to be able to function in life. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for opening up the lungs. I thank you for restoring the lungs. I thank you. Zero complications. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. We breathe new life today. Oh, let the living word be breathed in today. Breath of heaven be breathed in today. Be breathed in today in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.